hope everyone's doing well on this uh, not as cold as it was yesterday evening. Amen. So uh, it's good to see everybody. I know that we've, uh, I think we got some more coming from what I've been told. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, uh, my, th- my thing is, I'm, I'm, it, ain't, it ain't about who's here, it's what, it's what we're going to get while we're here. Amen. And I'm glad that uh, for the message last night that I got, that I, I got to hear, and I can't wait until I hear part two. Amen. So, you know, but uh, anyway, but y'all, uh, y'all keep uh, everybody in prayer, but especially the ones that are driving back home and everything tonight. Keep everybody in prayer. Don't forget tomorrow night's finger food night. So, uh, you know, go ahead and bring that. If, you, if you're bringing chicken, make sure it's cooked. I've already, I've already been, uh, you know, asked about it, you know, that, and you know, uh, now I, it, it's, it's, the, it's a known fact: pork and beans and Viner sausages and potted meat and all that stuff like that is considered finger food because you can stick your finger right down in there and <laughs> see. Yeah, see? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Come back tomorrow night. Amen. Because I know the only thing I believe is down there now is a couple of bags of tater chips, and you're welcome to that after the service, brother. So, a big guy like yourself probably gets hungry just walking around. So you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, it looks like it. But he hangs around you, amen. You see, yeah. But look, uh, just go ahead and keep everybody in prayer. Uh, uh, just give you a quick update on uh, uh, Jennifer's, uh, her husband Michael. He's uh, at Martinsville Hospital. The bleeding, uh, the loss of blood that he was have, experiencing was an ulcer, not anything that was uh, life-threatening or anything like that. And um, if everything holds to plan, um, after the life flight last night from Danville to Martinsville, and anyway, that's another story, but... Um, he's hoping to come home tomorrow, so so that's a blessing. So uh, I'm sure that they really enjoyed a twelve thousand uh, dollar helicopter ride. But you know, you know, but keep that family in prayer. And um, you know, I've been talking to them and everything like that. They they they're I didn't know this, but they're unchurched. And uh, so hopefully, you know, all this and us being showing some compassion will draw them in. That's what Jew told us to do, uh, you know. Exactly and if right. and if some have compassion, yeah, making a difference. So that's what we need to do, Amen. So, uh, but anyway, y'all keep uh, everybody in prayer. It's good to see Brother J Odell here tonight. He's from, and I always I'm gonna pronounce it wrong. It Kimmysville, is that right? Kimesville, Kimesville Baptist Church, and they're over in. Right on the edge of the Burlington Liberty area over there. Uh, so he came over, and uh, he's a good brother. He's from back home. I know him from back home, and he's up here now. He was pastoring over in Kentston, North Carolina, when I was down in the nursing home ministries and in evangelism and everything down there and got to know each other. And all. So uh, it's good to have him and his wife with us tonight. And uh, good to see Brother Jeff and Brother Ricky Harbor and Brother Henry over there so always good to see y'all and brother Don Anderson even brought some guests and uh, so I'll let him introduce them and when he comes up 
But God is good. Amen. Amen. So, uh, and uh, so y'all just keep uh, y'all just keep praying and keep believing. Amen. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. So, Brother Jay, I'm gonna go ahead and have you, if you don't mind, standing and open us in a word of prayer. We'll sing us a song. see everyone tonight. Page 29, please, do you hymn books? Page number 29, we're a marching design. And we sing this song, we're going like taking a march, you know, but some life to it, okay? One standing together, page 29. Thank you. 
All right, gentlemen, come on up and receive the uh, Thursday night offering. Take an offering. Yeah, everything's going to our speaker this week with, with Anderson, but we're taking the offering tonight and also tomorrow night as well, okay? Give us God's blessed you. Uh, Brother uh, Curtis Lee, sir. Amen. appreciates a blessed redeemer that we have. We love him, don't we? Love him with all of our heart. Thank you. Thank God for what he did for us. Page number 42, everyone. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross. Everyone standing, please. 42.
seated. Thank you so much. couple, precious preacher and his wife sang this song years ago. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but uh, we love it because he's singing about the, the Bible, the Word of Amen. God, and we love the Bible too. <clears throat> what light is this shining so brightly for me that it gives a courage the right way to be? One hope forward trusting so ever shall be God's wonderful book divine. And I love the old Bible, the precious old Bible, a light on my pathway to shine. And it made me so happy, always so happy, God's wonderful book divine. What hope for the traveler, strength almost gone, that makes him determined to keep running on. What sweet consolation from heaven's bright throne, God's wonderful book divine. And I love the old Bible, the precious old Bible, a light on my pathway to shine. And it made me so happy, always so happy, God's wonderful book divine. What chart can you trust as a light for the soul when tempests would strand you on some dreadful shore? What compass would point you to heaven's bright home, God's wonderful book divine and I love the old Bible the precious old Bible a light on my pathway to shine and it made me so happy always so happy God's wonderful book divine and in case you are wondering of what book I sing it's the same the old time revival did bring it's only one version authorized by the king, God's wonderful book divine. And I love the old Bible, the precious old Bible, a light on my pathway to shine. And it made me so happy, always so happy, God's wonderful book divine. Center mic on or 
Okay, turn this one down just a little bit then. That way it'll get rid of that rain. Okay, thank you. That sounds a little bit better. <clears throat> We're going to try to do this song here. A friend of mine back home uh, is watching tonight, and uh, old Sure Shot is what we'll call, I'll just call him that for. He had three does in the field, 100 yards broadside, three does left the field. He reloaded, and he said, then right at right just before dark, three does come into the field. He said he was blinded by the flash, and he said when he looked, all three does were leaving the field, not in his pickup truck. You know who you are, old sure shot. Amen. So we're going to give it a try. There's not a friend like my lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our souls no, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about my struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like my lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. There's not an hour that he is not near us. No, not one, no, not one. No night so dark, but his love can cheer us. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about my struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like my lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Was e'er a gift like my Savior given? No, not one, no, not one. Will he refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like my lowly Jesus. No, not one, 
thankful that the Lord is uh, moving. I'm thankful for the spirit that we had last night. Amen. We're thankful for that. Thankful for the spirit that we feel tonight. And see, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't a numbers guy. You can make numbers do anything you want them to do and say anything you want to say. If you don't believe what I'm telling you, put it in a calculator, 43770. Turn it around. You can read hello. So, see, you can make numbers do anything you want them to do. So, see, you know, that's the reason I'm not a numbers person. And uh, But I, I tell you what, though, I'm confident. I'm confident in the Lord enough to say that the Lord Jesus Christ will give us who he wants here every single night. If we was to meet if we was to meet every night of the week, he would have him who he wants here and they would be here. Amen. Amen. So I'm thankful for that. So brother Don, I tell you what it's time for. It's time for preaching. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Well, isn't it great to be back in church tonight? I know you've enjoyed this good singing. I certainly have. And so good to see all of you here tonight and Great anticipation as I walk in the room. I hear uh, voices of anticipation of what God's going to do. You know, I travel these roads and I've learned this. If there's anything of eternal value that comes out of what we're doing around here, we'll have to point to him because it'll be he that does all the work that is eternal. And I'm so glad to see all of you here and all of you visiting. And most of all, for the faithful members here of Community Baptist Church. I'm a local church evangelist. I try to minister to the local church. And then when others come, we consider that icing on the cake. And thank God for others that come. And I appreciate I got two great friends with me tonight. Uh, Tony White here on the end of the pew, he pastored for over 30 years in Thurman, North Carolina, which is about three hours from here. He came a long way to be here tonight, and I appreciate Brother Tony, and he's between churches right now, and here's how much confidence I have in Tony White. If I was still pastoring, I'd have him booked to preach for me this coming Sunday. That's how much confidence I have in this man of God. So any of you pastors, if you need a breather, if you need a break, call on Brother Tony, and he'll be a friend to your church and a friend to you. Then good to have Brother Charles Cruz tonight. Uh, he's my bodyguard, driver, photographer. He's my electronics man. He does anything that I need him to do, and I appreciate him. And he, too, also came about three hours to be here tonight. Isn't it good to have people that love preaching and love the Lord and will drive the distance? When I was a young man, Brother Jeff, I remember driving. I didn't think nothing about driving three hours uh, to hear some great preachers. They're already in heaven now. And I'm glad I see that kind of hunger in others that are coming on the scene. Don't y'all thank the Lord for that? Well, I know somebody's been already on me before I got in the room about miracle number two. So let's see if we can find it tonight. Exodus chapter 7, again in your Bible. And we'll also be looking in Exodus chapter number 3. Last night it was Exodus chapter 7 and Exodus chapter 2. Tonight, it's Exodus 7 and Exodus chapter number 3. 
I'm not going to read all the verses I read last night. I do want to catch a couple of verses and do a little bit of review. Then we'll spend most of our time tonight in chapter number three. And I love the song Brother Ronald and Kathy sang about the blessed old Bible. You see, I love Bible preaching. And this Bible is not a dead book. It's alive. And we need to preach it with the power of God and the anointing of God and watch God do great and mighty things. You see, God hadn't gone out of business, church. Let's just hang in there. God's still on the throne. Exodus 7, I'm going to only read tonight verses number 7 down through halfway in verse number 9. Now, last night I told you that I'm only reading half of verse 9. And I told you last night, I may tell you tonight why, but I'm not going to. I'm going to tell you tomorrow night why I'm only reading half of verse number 9. Verse number 7, Exodus chapter number 7. This is important. And Moses was fourscore years old. That's 80 years old. And Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. Notice verse 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying. Now notice half of verse number 9. When Pharaoh shall speak unto you. Now God's talking to Moses. When Pharaoh talks to you, Moses. When Pharaoh speaks to you, Moses. Now look what he says. He's going to say this. Show a miracle for you. Show a miracle for you. Father, I thank you tonight for letting us be back in church. Our hearts have been blessed by the good singing. We thank you tonight for the visitors that have come from other places and most of all, we thank you for the faithful people here at Community and ask him that you'll ever bless them and their pastor and first lady here. Keep your hand upon this place. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this house tonight. Now, Lord, we need you. Without you, we can do nothing. Please pull our attention in for a few minutes where you want it to be and all that's accomplished We'll give you the praise, the honor and glory for it all, for it is in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen and amen. If you were not here last night, we were looking at the first appearance that Moses made in front of Pharaoh. This is a very monumental place in the history of the nation of Israel as Moses stands before the most powerful man in the world for the very first time. God has already gave Moses a heads up. God has told Moses, hey, when you stand before him, he's not going to believe you. He's not going to believe I'm who you say I am. And he's going to tell you, Moses, that if this God you represent is as real as you say he is. You ought to be able to show a miracle that this God has done for you. I said it last night. I want to say it again. 
I can't find anything I would agree with Pharaoh on, but I do agree with him here. Because if God is as real as we say he is, we as his people ought to be able to show a miracle that God has done for us. I'm preaching tonight and last night, hopefully tomorrow night, on this subject, show a miracle for you. Show a miracle that God has done for you. If I open the congregation for comment tonight and ask you to tell me some miracles of Moses, we'd hear all kind of great miracles that was accomplished during the ministry of Moses the opening of the Red Sea, the manna falling from heaven, water from a rock that fed millions and thirst quenched that crowd. But you see, none of those things have happened yet. And I'm majoring on the miracles in the early life of Moses, miracles that we often don't consider and I hope will be a blessing to us tonight. If you were here last night, we could almost hear the teardrops falling on the lid of the little ark that Moses' mama made for him when he was only three months old. How that Moses, as a three-month-old Hebrew baby boy, found safety in the bulrushes. He is the only boy that ever went in that water and came back out to tell about it. He was the lone survivor. He's the only man in the nation of Israel that's 80 years old. And that's because everybody else that was born that year, they died. They died in that water. But Moses has got a miracle to tell. You see, I went in that water, Pharaoh, just like the other little babies, but I came out alive. And that was safety that God gave Moses down in the bulrushes. Well, if you have your Bible in Exodus chapter 3 tonight, I want to read you a few verses that will display our second miracle. The first miracle, he found safety in the bulrushes. You've got to say that's a miracle to be the only one that ever went in and came back out to tell about it. The only one that ever survived. I'm looking at people tonight. Hey, you survived things that you shouldn't have survived. You lived through things you shouldn't have lived through. And it's all because of the miracle of God and the protection and the perseverance of God working in your life even before you got saved. Hallelujah. I feel like a preaching spell's coming on. Are y'all ready for miracle number two? Miracle one was in chapter two. Miracle two is in chapter three. Let's begin reading in verse number one. The Bible says, And Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And notice verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire 
out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. He didn't say an ordinary sight. He didn't just say a run-of-the-mill sight. He said this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. If you've ever wondered, is burnt a word? There's your answer. Why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. We see Moses at the burning bush. Miracle number one, he found safety in the bulrushes. But miracle number two, he found salvation at a bush. What about that? He found salvation at a bush. Now Moses, I want you to picture him climbing up Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is not a beautiful mountain. Mount Horeb is a rocky mountain. It's a difficult mountain. It's the mountain of God. Mount Horeb represents conviction. You know, friend, before a person ever gets saved, they've got to arrive on Mount Horeb. That's the Mount of Conviction. It's where the ground is hot. It's where the ground is rocky. It's where the ground is not pleasant. It's where the ground is unwanted. Friend, is that not the way it is when a person gets saved? You see, before a person ever gets saved, they'll have to leave their comfort zone and they'll have to come under conviction. A rocky ground, a sandy ground, a hot and rugged terrain. And that's the kind of place that Moses met God. Well, I want you to imagine Moses is climbing up this hot mountain. Moses crest the top of that mountain and now he's standing on top of Mount Horeb. Out there in the distance, there's a little bush. It's just an insignificant and dry little bush. There's nothing about this bush that's impressive. There's nothing about this bush that anybody would want anything to do with. But when Moses crest the top of that mountain, Brother Harbor, he saw that little bush and something happened to that bush. That bush ignited and it started to burn. Moses said it was a great sight. Now, the ignition of the bush was not the great sight. Do you understand it was so hot on the top of Mount Horeb that it was not an unusual thing for a little dry bush to just ignite by itself? That was not the great sight. But you see, when a little bush ignited by itself under those hot conditions, guess what happened? 
it went back out just as fast as it lit up. And you know, I can't help but believe this was not his first burning bush experience. I believe he had saw bushes ignite and go back out. Can I say tonight as a traveling preacher, I've had a lot of burning bush experiences. I've seen them ignite and go back out. Whoop, ignite and go back out just as quickly as they ignited. It's really sad when people at church get on fire for God and before they get to the parking lot, they've done gone back out. Well, that's not a great sight. I said, that's not a great sight. I'm sick and tired of people getting on fire and their fire don't last 15 minutes. But thank God for those that get on fire. I said, those that get on fire and just keep on burning and just keep on burning and just keep on burning. It's a great sight. In my journey... I've met some of those that ignite and go out, but I have met some that ignited Brother Tony, and they just kept on burning. Woo, they just kept on burning. God give us some church members out of this power conference that will ignite and just keep on burning, and just keep on burning. Jesus said of John the Baptist that he was a burning and a shining light. It didn't say he was burnt and blinking. It said he was burning and shining. My, how we need some saints that are burning and shining. My, how we need some saints that get on fire and just stay on fire. I remember my parents got on fire when I was just a little boy. God let me be with them as they made their departure from this world. I saw them get on fire. I saw them stay on fire. I saw them leave this world on fire. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for you saints tonight. Let's get on fire. Let's get ignited. Let's get excited. And let's keep burning for the glory and honor of God. <laughs> this is a great sight, Brother Ray. The fire just kept on burning. You got to understand, a dry bush doesn't have enough body to fuel a fire. This was a miraculous fire. The fire was not burning because of the little bush. The fire was burning because God got in that bush. Now you might not think that bush is very important. And you know, the world looks at little things, insignificant things, as unimportant and uneventful things. But I want you to know, there at that little dry bush that was not impressive, when God got in that bush, it set in motion the deliverance of an entire nation. Do you hear me tonight? God set in motion the deliverance of the nation of Israel 
there at that little bush. And I want to say to Community Baptist tonight, your number board back there has nothing to do with the power of God. How many you have, how many you don't have, that has nothing to do with the power of God. God doesn't need big things. I said, God doesn't need big things to do big things. God can do big things through little things like a little dry bush. Not much to look at. Not much to admire. But when God gets in the bush, when God gets in the bush, things begin to happen. It's almost like Heaven and earth stood still when that little bush started burning. And it just kept burning. Whew! It just kept burning. Why does it keep burning? Because God has got in that bush. You know, the heavens of heaven cannot contain God. But then God can put himself inside of a little bush. Oh my, all community Baptist needs, all you other churches need is for God to get in your bush, for God to get in your church. You say, preacher, we don't have many. You don't need many. All you need is God in the bush. And guess what? When God got in the bush, Brother Charles Something came out of that bush that's real important. It was the voice of God. You know, I've heard God's voice. I've been around some burning bushes. I've been around some preachers. A lot of them's in heaven now. My mentors, a lot of them's in heaven now. And as they preached, I saw them ignite. And I saw them burn. And I heard the voice of God coming out of those preachers. My little skinny mama been in heaven over 25 years. I saw her burning and I heard the voice of God coming out of my little mama. My dad's been in heaven over 10 years. And oh, I saw him burning. And I heard the voice come out of my little country dad. Friends, tonight I got grandkids I've got two sons. I got two daughters-in-law. I got a lot of churches and a lot of friends that are looking at me. I don't want them to remember Don Anderson. I don't want them to remember that I came. I want them to remember hearing the voice of God. That's what's going to count. That's what's going to bring conviction. That's what's going to change our churches. If we can get the voice of God coming out of our lives. My little grandson too. He needs to hear God's voice out of Papa. My little granddaughter age four. She needs to hear the voice of God coming out of Papa. My little granddaughter age seven. Needs to hear the voice of God. What y'all getting quiet for? I'm telling you I don't want to be nothing in this world but a little bush. If I could just be a little bush and get on fire and stay on fire and the voice of God come out of my life. Whew, what a blessing that would be. <laughs> I just about feel like preaching. What about y'all? You see that burning bush 
Are you burning tonight? You know. Nobody hears no voice out of a block of ice. The average church, the pastor ought to put on the sign, Dr. Deep Freeze. <laughs> the first church of the frozen. Brother, we don't need a frozen church. We don't need a frozen preacher. You pray that God will make your preacher burn. People will come to a fire. Did you know that? Back in my home area, Stokes County, we had a major fire. The Sara Town Mountain was on fire. And Charles, I forget how many hundreds of acres were burned by that fire. And you know, one of the main problems the firefighters were having in trying to put out that fire was people who were coming to see the fire. They were getting in the way. There's just something about a fire. You can say what you want to. There's just something about a fire that attracts people. And you know, we got a bunch of spiritual firemen <laughs> that are trying to put out the fire. But I'm going to tell you, them firemen ain't going to be able to put out your fire if we get in their way. <laughs> I say let's get in their way. I say let's get in their way. And praise God, let's keep the fire burning. Amen. Woo, glory to God. Amen. Y'all happy in the Lord? Hey, like miracle number two. Is this not a miracle? A little dry bush just ignite. It just keeps burning, brother Jeff. It just keeps burning. Moses said this is a great sight. This bush is not burnt. I hope everybody leaves this church tonight saying from now till I die or from now till Jesus comes, I'm not going to be burnt. I'm not going to be burnt. I'm not going to be burnt. I'm going to keep on burning. And when them old nasty firefighters from the devil come to put out our fire I'm going to do everything I can to get in their way and hinder them because folks we got to keep the fire burning hallelujah 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 to God well I see a burning flame I need to move don't I but in this burning flame I see there was a behavior change. I'm almost going to cringe at what I'm fixing to say. When Moses climbed Mount Horeb, Brother Ray, it was not Moses, the writer of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It was not Moses that would open a Red Sea. You know who it was? Moses, the fugitive. Moses, the murderer. Moses, the sinner, climbed up Mount Horeb. You might be sitting here tonight thinking God could never use me if God could use Moses. 
You see, Moses killed a man. He killed an Egyptian. That made him a murderer. And he's climbing up that mountain. He's a fugitive. He's running from the law. If they had a post office, his picture was at the post office. Wanted Moses, the fugitive. Whoop! See how quiet it got? Boy, it's hard to think about Moses that way. But I'm trying to get to a blessing here. He climbed that mountain as Moses, the fugitive. But when he came down that mountain, it was Moses, the forgiven. He climbed that mountain as Moses, the murderer. But when he came down from that mountain, it was Moses, the man of God. When he climbed that mountain, it was Moses running from the law. But when he came down that mountain, it was Moses that one day would pin the law. My, what God can do. It was Moses on the run when he went up that mountain. But brother, thank God when he came down, it was Moses redeemed. When he went up that mountain, his picture was at the post office. But when he came down that mountain, his name was in the book of life. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's what God can do. The greatest of all miracles is when God saves a sin-sick soul. You see, there was a behavior change. And I know some think I'm primitive and old school. But this Bible teaches clearly, crystal clearly, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Brother Ronald, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I can't find one person in the Bible that got saved. I can't find one. I've searched it. I can't find one in the Bible that got saved that their life did not miraculously change. But I can find a whole lot of people has been on our altars and their lives never changed. You say, why didn't their life change? They didn't get saved. That might sound blunt. That might sound cold. But if there's been no change there's been no conversion. If there's been no change, there's been no salvation. Well, something happened to old Moses up on this mountaintop. I want you to notice with me back in verse number five at this great behavior change. Moses sees this bush burning and of course he's attracted to it. Brother Tony, he's drawn to it. But look what God said in verse 5. You know, most Baptist preachers will say, Come on, Moses, come on, come on, get down here. We'll pray, will you? Come on, buddy. That ain't the way God conducts an invitation. Woohoo! Glory to God. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. What that means is, No, Moses, you can't come. We would say, Come on, Moses, come on. God said, No, Moses. You can't come. He said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes. What about that? From off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. You see, those shoes coming off 
testifies of a behavior change. A lot changes when you take your shoes off on hot burning sand and hot jagged stones. We're talking about it's so hot that a bush can ignite by itself. Can you imagine how hot that ground is? Brother Pruitt, can you imagine how hot that ground is and those jagged stones? What a command. Get your shoes off, Moses. Now, if Moses' feet was as tender as mine, he's fixing to get in trouble. If I pulled off my socks and shoes tonight, you'd probably have to put on sunglasses. They're so white. <laughs> they hadn't seen the sunshine in a long time. But I'm going to tell you something. When you take off your shoes, let me give you something practical. When you take off your shoes on hot burning sand, hot jagged stones, temperatures well over 100 degrees outside, I make you a promise about your walk. Number one, you will quickly adapt a careful walk. When you're barefoot, hot burning sand, hot jagged stones, you're going to be careful how you make those steps. You see, those that are barefoot on hot burning sands and hot jagged stones, they're not stomping. They're not kicking. Brother Ray, the next time you preach a sermon and folks get to kicking at it and folks get to stomping, boy, it's getting quiet, isn't it? He must have just preached that Sunday morning. When folks get to kicking at the preaching and stomping at the preaching, what people like that need to do is take their shoes off. You'll quit all that stomping. You'll quit all that kicking when you get your shoes off. Are y'all with me tonight? What I'm preaching will produce a very careful walk. Guess what else it'll produce? It'll produce this, Brother Jay. It'll produce a clean walk. A clean walk. You know, when you're barefoot, now I'm, I'm country, okay? Let me just talk to you on country terms. Hey, if you're barefoot, you're a lot more careful about stepping in stuff. Amen. Am I right about that? If you're barefoot, you're a lot more careful about stepping in stuff. And I said stuff. I'm keeping it clean. But you know what I'm talking about. When I was on the farm as a boy, one of my chores was when I got home from school feeding the cows in the wintertime because there was not enough grass to sustain them in the wintertime, so we had to feed them also with food we brought to them during the winter months. And a lot of times, Brother Ray, we would have rain, we'd have melted ice, We'd have melted snow. And when I'd go out to feed them cows, sometimes them old big black Angus cows would be standing up to their knees in melted snow, melted ice, rain, and other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> stuff. Yeah. 
they'd be standing knee deep. Well, my job was to feed them. So preacher, what did you do as a 12-year-old boy when you went out there amongst them cows standing knee deep and all kind of stuff? I just jumped in there with them. You say, you jumped in all that stuff? Yeah, I did. But I had rubber boots up to my knees. You see, you don't mind stepping in stuff. Whoop, am I saying stuff okay? Is that all right, Pastor? I believe everybody knows what kind of stuff I'm talking about. You don't mind stepping in stuff if you got boots on up to your knees. But if you're barefoot, it's quite a different story. <laughs> I'm afraid a lot of folks come to church and they've been stepping in stuff all week long. They've been stepping in filth all week long. They've been stepping in pornography all week long. They've been stepping in wicked movies all week long. They've been stepping in gossip. They've been stepping in discord. They've been stepping in murmuring all week long. You'll quit that mess if you get your shoes off. <laughs> Woo, should I give an invitation right here? There will be a behavior change. It'll, it'll make you have a careful walk. It'll make you have a clean walk. It'll make you have a circumspect walk. Now look, barefoot, hot burning sands, hot jagged stones. You're not going to go around in circles from point A to point B. You're going to take the least amount of steps possible to get from point A to point B. There's a lot of people in our churches are wasting steps. They're going around in circles. They're not going direct. Friend, we don't need to waste no steps. We don't need to waste no time. And I don't know how many steps that I got left. You don't know how many steps you got left. On my phone, I got a text message from a dead man. And I leave it on there. A good friend of mine, 37 years old, was having a routine back surgery. Nothing major, just a routine back surgery. He calls me the day, or texts me the day before his surgery. Says, Brother Don, you know I'm having this back surgery. I just want you to agree with me in prayer. He said, we've prayed about many things through the years. And we've been friends for years. And I said, we sure have. And I said, Brother, I'm going to pray with you now. Well, after the surgery, after he gets out of recovery, I get another text that says, Hey, Brother Don, they said I came through the surgery good. I may even get to go home tomorrow. Well, when tomorrow came, I got another text. Says, Brother Don, my nurse just walked me to the door and back. And they said that I'll be able to go home today. Thank you for praying, Brother Don. Well, that's the last text I got. He went to the bathroom. Some type of blood clot formed. And that blood clot went to his heart and killed my 37-year-old friend right there in the hospital, right there in the bathroom. I'm talking about a layman, the kind of man that Community Baptist Church would love to have, a faithful man, a tithing man, a family man, a man with four teenage children, 
from 16 years old down to about 12 years old and a set of twins in that four. But my friend died. He thought he was going home to be with his family, but he went home to be with the Lord. You see, we don't know how many steps that we got left. I'm at point A. I want to make a straight line to point B. I don't want to waste no steps running to places I shouldn't be going. I don't want to waste no steps going around in circles and avoiding the will of God for my life. I walked in here tonight, so did you, but we could be carried out of here tonight. We don't know how many steps we've got. Don't get quiet on me. I'm telling you, if we get our shoes off, it will be a circumspect walk. Point A, point B, without any wasted steps. It'll not only be a circumspect walk, a clean walk, a careful walk, but it'll be a cushionless walk. When Moses took his shoes off, that little thin piece of leather, Jeff, I mean, it's about that thick. But that's all it took for Moses to miss God. A little piece of leather about that thick. But you know what that leather did for Moses? It gave him some cushion. When you get rid of that cushion, then you can walk by faith. You can't walk by faith when you have a cushion. The cushion had to go. And can I say to us tonight, the cushion's got to go. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh my, when I pastored, I could tell you deacons or church leaders how to take care of your pastor if you ask me after service. My church was so good to me. I was there for 28 years. They met my every need. I had to be careful even saying something I liked or something I wanted because as sure as I said it, they'd try to make it happen. That's how much my church loved me. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I'm 53 years old then. God says, okay, it's time for you to get out of the cushion. It's time for you to leave. Lord, I thought I'd die here. I thought I'd finish my course here. We're not having no real problems. Lord, they love me. God said, yeah, they love you. I love you too. But do you love me more than you love them? Are you going to go with me? Are you going to go with them? Now, this ain't God's will for everybody. I'm just telling you this is what God told me. I took off the cushion. I stepped away from all that care. Stepped out with zero, nothing. Stepped out with nothing. But you know, it's been seven and a half years now. And it seems like I'm always on a diet. It seems like there's more food than we can eat and more clothes than we can wear. You step out, get rid of your cushion, and God will take care of you. Can someone say amen? Now, every pastor's not supposed to do that. That's what God told me to do. And God has supplied every need. I want to give you this last one tonight. I want you to see something you'll miss if you speed read the text. In chapter 3 in verse number 4, the Bible says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, notice, God called unto him 
out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Now, nobody here, I don't care how much you've studied, nobody here, Brother Jay, knows how much time there was between the first Moses and the second Moses. You see, we just read it, Moses, Moses. But we don't know how much time elapsed between God saying Moses the first time and God saying Moses the second time. Do you see Moses' response after God said Moses the second time? Do y'all see it in verse number four? The last three words, will you read it with me? Here am I. That was after Moses heard God's voice the second time. Now, will somebody tell me what Moses said after the first Moses? Thank you. Nothing. He did not respond. He did not move. He did not come when God spoke the first time. You'll be amazed at how many people in this room tonight the first time God called your name, your response was as the sister said, nothing. You didn't move. You didn't come. You didn't say nothing. But my last point tonight, I see a benevolent call. God is not only the God of a first chance, but aren't you glad he's the God of a second chance? <laughs> Moses, Moses don't move. Moses don't come. I'm thinking, man, Moses, you better move. But aren't you glad God had mercy and he called his name again? I'm telling you tonight, he is the God of a second chance. If you're lost, God is giving you another chance tonight. If you're a Christian and you've kind of forsaken your responsibility, guess what? God's calling your name again, giving you another chance. I'm glad he's the God of a second chance. Some of you might need to do some repenting tonight. Some of you might need to tell a fellow brother or sister, I'm sorry, because God's done called your name and God's given you another chance. I said it last night, I say it often. I've never come to God since I've been saved. I've never come to God since I've been saved, Brother Tony, and ask Him to forgive me. Never have I asked him to forgive me that he didn't forgive me every single time. In my life, he's not only the God of a second chance, but he's the God of multiple chances. And I'm so thankful that he's never given up on me. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Moses, wouldn't it be something if God would have thrown him away? Wouldn't it been something if God would say, well, you ain't nothing but a murderer anyhow. You ain't nothing but a fugitive anyhow. You're running from the law. I don't need you, but that's not the way God thinks. That's not the way God talks. God loved Moses. And God gave Moses the second chance. Pharaoh, you want to know a miracle that God's did for me? I found safety in the bulrushes. I was just three months old. But as a grown man, I climbed on top of a mountain one day. A little bush caught on fire. 
And I found salvation at a bush. I wonder as we stand tonight with heads bowed, eyes closed, all over this house of God. I wonder how many tonight would like to just slide in around this altar and say, Lord, I sure do thank you. I sure do thank you that you didn't hold my past against me. I sure do thank you that you love me despite of my past and despite of myself. Would you come tonight, join these that are coming? My folks are moving. You know, if we had a real revival, a heartfelt revival of thanksgiving in our souls, there's no telling what God would do. As this begins to play, folks are praying, some are standing, some are sitting, some are kneeling. You do what you need to do. And let's have, let's have the power of God working in our lives. Yes, I found safety in the bulrushes when I was lost. God was protecting me, and I didn't even know it. Yes, I found salvation at a bush. Just a little insignificant tent revival going on. It's where God found old Don Anderson. Thank God for salvation. You pray long as you need to. Pastor's coming when he gets done. What a powerful message. But the thing is, and today he hit on it, there's a lot of running. Yep. A lot of running. Instead of running to the Lord and to the church, they figure out all their ways to run from the Lord and from the church when it shouldn't be. Brother Don, great message, brother. One that I needed to hear, and I appreciate it. But uh, I'm not going, to, not going to tarry. I just want to say this. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, after a message like that, i like to know what you're waiting on. Amen. I, I just want to know what you're waiting on because I'm telling you, you know, it ain't been a, a cakewalk in the park since I got saved. But I tell you what, the cake sure has been good. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And every now and then, like I said last night, 
you can get those you can get them onion rings in the french fries and you didn't ask for the onion rings amen so god's blessings are always good amen thank you for coming brother jay and being with us you and your wife brother ricky and uh and Henry, we appreciate y'all, brother, and brother Jeff over there. Hi, see you over there, and brother uh, Tony. I've seen you on Facebook many times and everything. So uh, around, <laughs> well, if if you look down at the bottom corner, I'm there too. So yeah, <laughs> see. They got my, they got the bad side. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> hey man, brother. Hey man, I tell you what. First time we met face to face, I like you. <laughs> God is good. Amen. All righty. Well, we're gonna close in prayer. And Brother Tony, I'm going to ask you if you don't mind, would you close us in prayer and pray for safety for the ones that are traveling, yourself too, and everything, and uh, and all, and pray for the meeting and all tomorrow night, and uh, the fellowship and all's coming up. I'm looking forward to that and everything. I'm, and there's nothing better than fellowshipping with God's people. Amen. Amen. That's why Hebrews 10:25 is still in the King James Bible. Yeah. Amen. Because he tells us that you know, the Bible's written to you and for you. That verse of scripture's written to us. Amen. It says, not forsaken. Amen. So go ahead, Brother Tom. Father, we come to you again this evening. Yes. Father, we're thankful, Father, and God, we thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit, God. Yes. God, it's in your house. And yes, God. Lord. Yes. And God, they may realize how to use this vessel. Yes. And Father, continue blessing this revival. Yes. Pray God you bless each and every one. God, have enough faith to be here tonight. And God, I pray God for incredibly great. Yes. Yes. And God, we pray God for the sick and sick and those who heal. God, as we said many, many times, we thank God that made this body and made so sick to be able to heal. Yes. God, we pray to the promise. Yes. Yes. Ready, church? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Amen. You are dismissed. Make sure you shake hands with the visitors. Amen.